0: Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. This podcast works in conjunction with our weekly Beyond the Sermon devotional. If you don't receive those already, you can sign up using the link in our podcast show notes. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon.
1: Welcome, everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have Ridge Lead Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome.
2: Yeah, thank you, Will.
1: So, uh, Mike, we're in the second week of our mini-series, Distracted. Uh, what's getting between you and Jesus? Last week, we talked a bit about uh, surrender, and you encourage us to consider, you know, what are those things that we're kind of holding on to before God, uh, like the rich young ruler with, with money? Uh, this week, uh, you turned our attention to perhaps one of Jesus' most famous parables, and that's the story of the prodigal son. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, Mike, you you mentioned in your message, you joked a little bit about birth order, you know, and how being older or middle child, youngest can influence you for better or for worse. And I did a little bit of research on this, and apparently there's real science behind that. Mm, Yes, there is. (laughs) Not that I I doubted you, but, um, you know, many psychologists today believe that uh, where you fall in your family's birth order has a major impact on your personality development, and so... I, I didn't know if you knew this, but I'm the youngest of five children. I have four older sisters, no brothers. So I'm the youngest, I'm the baby of the family. Um, so in your assessment, what is that? where does that leave me?
2: <laughs> How much time do we have, Will? I, I think one of the things that comes to mind is the not only four older siblings, but four... Girl siblings, yes, right. You grew up in a very female world, and you probably didn't have to have very many hand-me-downs.
1: No, I didn't. No, thankfully, yes. And it makes a lot of sense me leading women's ministry, noise. (laughs) But is that is that God's joke? You know, (laughs) yes. yes, You've
2: you've spent time in that world.
1: Yes, I sure have. Um, So back to our scripture. We're in Luke fifteen eleven through thirty two, the story of the prodigal son. And uh, I'd like to just in our time just look at each character in turn here. Uh, kind of looking at the older brother you know he faithfully works hard for his father he respects him and his authority uh, this isn't kind of in contrast to his younger brother and yet in the end Jesus essentially teaches us that he is as far away from the father as his younger brother um, so Mike what do you think Jesus is wanting to teach us here about the nature of relationship with God what can we what can we learn
2: yeah I think one of the things that I, I didn't have time to really dig into this fully in the message but The context of the story of the prodigal son is fascinating. Chapter starts out this way. It says, 15 verse 1, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Mm. What happens right after that, this chapter 15 in the Gospel of Luke, next thing, he tells the story of the lost sheep. Mm -hmm. After that, he tells the story of the lost coin, after that comes the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Unique thing here. So he's got, he's telling this to, to the audience with people who are far from the Lord. And then he's also got the religious leaders who are all over him. The first two, the lost sheep, the lost coin, there's a lot of parallels. The younger son is very similar to the first two stories he told. The thing that's really unique about the prodigal son. It's the older brother.
1: Right. He didn't right.
2: include that in the first two stories about the lost sheep and about the lost coin. But he's bringing that right to the surface, and especially with the religious leaders mm. who were who there listening and watching. So I do think that as Jesus was looking at who he was telling this story to, that was a significant piece of it. Jesus, by the way, did not title this story The Prodigal Son. Right. Right. That came later. Priests and scribes gave it that name. Right. I don't know, Jesus might have called it the older son yes, if he were yes. to give it a title. The yeah. older son is very much as much of a main character here as the younger son is. So what is what is that saying? What is Jesus doing with that? And I think one of the things that's there for me is he's saying to these religious leaders who are kind of griping about Jesus buddying up to people who weren't following all the rules, mm. they're thinking, well, that's not fair. Mm. You know, I'm spending my life in in this box obeying all these rules that aren't all that fun, and look at all these people that aren't doing that, and yet you're just as connected with them, and what is getting at is what's going on inside of them. Yeah, it's good. The verse that really struck me, this wasn't the first time I've read this story. Probably wasn't the first time that you've heard this story, or anyone listening has heard this story. But it's cool how God can speak in different ways during different moments of your life through this story. The one thing that I hadn't heard before in this passage is verse 29 where the older son said, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Mm. Look at his mindset. Mm. This is his dad. And he says to him, All these years I've been slaving for you. Mm. And I think what Jesus is getting at there is saying to those who were in the religious circles is that what's going on inside mm. do you view your relationship with me as a burden mm. I'm slaving over this I'm doing this because I'm obligated to and into that I think Jesus is just opening wide saying this this Christianity thing this this Jesus thing it's not just about what we do, they were doing the right things.
1: Mm.
2: It's about why are you doing it? Yes. Are are you doing this just to earn favor? Are you doing this to avoid punishment? Am I doing this because I feel like, you know, I'm just uh, slaving over him? That's not what God wants. In this, Jesus is is saying, that's not what's at the heart of this father. He doesn't want you slaving him. The heart of this father is, is a father who wants a relationship with his kids. Mm. that That's the center of it. That's what we see when we, we look at this father. He he wants to be loved by us. Mm. Older son, he was doing the right things, right? He, was, right? he was following the rules, but he didn't have that love for his father. And Jesus just calls that out. That, that's what he wants for us.
1: Right. I think it's such an important point to highlight in terms of the motivation behind doing things because I think, Mike, sometimes... We can think that um, following Jesus, Christianity, is about doing the right things and becoming the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. Oh, the good, good kind of living. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and as long as I'm kind of doing the right things, and God is happy, and it becomes transactional. You know, the relationship with God. As long as I'm doing the right things, and I'm kind of keeping God happy, and there's such an emphasis put on the exterior. And yet, if there's anything that we learn from scripture, I mean, it's so, it's, it's the, the focus, God's focus is on the interior, you know, what's going on behind and the heart behind. And I don't know about you, Mike, but like, you know, if I don't know any relationships that function well when they're based out of just simply duty, you know, at least intimate relationships, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. saying. This is my duty to do this, so I'm going to do it. You know, doesn't mean that sometimes, say with your kids, you know, when they're younger, like changing their diapers or whatever. You know, you got to do it, but there's a motivation there of 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 genuine love and of genuine and care. So I think that's so important. I would encourage any any listeners be thinking about that. Are you placing an an emphasis on the exterior and just getting the exterior right? And as long as that's right, before God, you know, um, that's kind of what Jesus is getting at here. And um, I felt challenged in that recently myself. I have to say,
2: I think it is almost overwhelming to read this and to recognize the God of all the universe. He's got all these things going on. He actually wants to be loved by me. Mm. Pretty powerful, yes, it is. My my love, little little person sitting in you know this corner of the universe. He cares. And, mm. and it points right to the, the parent-child relationship. He cares about all his kids. Yes. He, want, he wants us to love him.
1: Yeah, I love that. Uh, just moving on to the younger brother, um, you know, from whom this parable is is named. Um, it's kind of the story that many of followers of Jesus can relate to. You know, maybe there's some listeners, or I think we've all... If it's not our experience, we've talked to other people who have had this kind of, uh, you know, maybe they were young, they went off the reels a bit, they did some things they regret, they hit a low, they turned to Jesus and experienced his saving work in their life. And yet, so I think we need to be careful, though, and mindful that, you know, that desire to go our own way, to be independent from God and to do our own thing, it doesn't just like stop, you know, once you start following after Jesus, you know, it's it's deep within us and I don't think we won't see the finish of it until we're with God in, in heaven. So I guess my question to you, Mike, is as we're following after Jesus, how do we kind of combat that that deep kind of desire in us to be just independent, to do our own thing, to push God out of the picture?
2: One thing that's helpful for me is to recognize we aren't the first ones who have dealt with this. Right. right? I mean, we, we got a 2000 plus year history and everyone who's gone before us has struggled with a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So I look back and I see some of the early church leaders. And one of the things that was a discipline that was so essential to them is this discipline of self-reflection. And I would add with that a listening to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. um, rather than just going on with agenda, you know, this appointment, that appointment, this meeting, that meeting, creating space. The the early church leaders were very intentional in creating space for self-reflection. The idea is to have that self-reflection before you're eaten with the pigs. Mm -hmm. Um, in, In this example, I'd look at that and say, man, what would happen if we would take some time to be able to look at the blessings that we have? He was very aware of what he didn't have. He didn't have all the inheritance that he wanted, But he did have all of his needs provided for. You know, he did have a family. He did have uh, relationships. He had a lot of things, but it's, I think, real valuable for us to be able to look and say, I don't like everything that's happened in my life right now. Okay. What is going well? What are the blessings that I have? So self-reflecting on some of the the blessings that we have. Mm. And another piece of the self-reflecting is to, to do kind of the activity of looking back And I think if I do that and I look back and can say, okay, pinpoint the regrets that I have in life, are any of those when I chose his way over my way? Mm. And I guess not a one. Mm. Every single time I look back and like, man, I wish I I wouldn't have done that or gone that way. Every time it's because I chose my independence, because I chose my way over his way. There's not a single time as I reflect back on my life when... I regret something because it was his way. Right. So being aware of how he's moved and worked in our own lives, self-reflecting on that.
1: And I I think it it comes back to the importance of getting that time with the Lord, you know, on a daily basis. Because I know a lot of times we think of those fundamentals of like, you know, reading your Bible and praying, but there's a whole lot that happens when we're just getting ourselves in that space before the lord um i think you know we remember again who he is and his and his greatness and his majesty his goodness his faithfulness yes. um we remember him as our source and our wisdom that are, we're ultimately looking to him and he is our provider you know there's so many of those things but it's also an opportunity for us mike uh, i think to come before the lord again afresh and lay our lives down before him on a daily basis and say You literally put the breath in my lungs. This day is yours. My life is yours. And um, it's a way of, by the Holy Spirit's help, turning from that desire to go our own way, to do our own thing. And I have to say, that's one thing I think, you know, that I would encourage people to do. The other thing, though, that I think I find is... um, is asking the Holy Spirit just to, I mean, there's the thing of like walking through a day with the Lord as well. Because mm-hmm. sometimes things just come up and you want to react to them, you know, <laughs> and you want to do what that impulse is or, you know, whether it's getting after your kids or whatever it is. And we need the the Holy Spirit's help just to take that moment and, and in that moment say, Lord, I want to choose your way. I want to respond in the way that would honor you and the way that you want to do. So it's not all like, Oh uh, yeah, take a moment, say my day is yours, and then you go out into the day. I think there's this thing of walking through the day with the Lord in the the, the the Spirit's power and uh and and just helping you respond in a way that honors the Lord.
2: Yeah, love that well. The integrating God and his ways and listening to the Holy Spirit, integrating that into your day, mm. in into the ordinary moments of the day, the your Kids driving you nuts, okay, right? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There, it happened, these kind of things happen on a regular basis, and those are spiritual moments,
1: right? Right. And so, just in the last few minutes, so we have. A, I do want to turn our attention to the father in this story because, I mean, Mike, when you think about uh, just what you were saying about earlier, the God of the universe, and the you know this is God in man, and He is teaching. He's on the earth, and He's teaching, and He's teaching about the heart of the father. This is one of the most beautiful pieces of scripture I think when it comes to an image of who the father is um so just a wide open question I mean what what do we learn about God the father really from this story uh, yeah from your perspective
2: and there are many things you know we could spend on uh, write books on that right. alone from here the the ones that I think really strike me and this one as I talked about during the message I was really moved this time by the love that the Father has. Mm. And that is really unique. If you look at religions and you look at the context, that's not how they related to the deities. Right. Not even close. You know, deities were revered and honored, but love wasn't a word that you would use in that. And to recognize, one, he he loves us, and then the flip of that, he also wants us to love him. That is really quite revolutionary uh, when you're speaking about what was going on religiously, and still is. Mm. But there are so many themes in here. You know, that would be one. Another theme that really, I think, is gripping is God gives us wisdom, but he also gives us freedom. Yes, that's good. You look at how that father was willing to release and let the son go. Mm. Man, could you imagine doing that as a dad? Right. Um, but he does that. He gives us freedom. He doesn't impose his will on all of our decisions um, mm-hmm. because what he's trying to do is shape us on the inside, getting us to a point where we do trust him. Um, I, I think it's fascinating to see God from that perspective and to put ourselves in that place. So he gives us freedom.
0: Mm. Um,
2: but wisdom, it's always there. Mm. And the other thing, the big one on this one is everybody is loved and welcomed. Mm. You know, the, the prodigal end of things. I think one of the reasons this passage is so um, endeared is because the reality are we, we all have, have been down that road in one way or another at times in life. And to realize that doesn't disqualify us from his love. Mm. And, and this image of the father, open arms, looking, waiting for his son to come back. And running out to, to greet him, that is such a wonderful image of God when we go a direction that we shouldn't go to know, man, God, he's still there. He's still waiting for me. His arms are open wide. Mm. Interesting to think,
1: Mike, we don't have a sequel to this story. You know, we don't have a continuation, but it is interesting to think about those brothers, you know, the shifts that they needed to make. Because the coming home of the prodigal son, it wasn't the end of the story. You know, there there was a transformation, legitimate transformation and repentance that needed to happen there. So it's not like, you know, go out, just blow it all and it's all right. Because like God, there was consequences to inaction. You know, he had experiences there, which I'm sure he regretted looking back on all that kind of stuff. But um, your hope is that really those brothers were able to come to a point where they love the Father and they serve the Father out of genuine love for Him. You know, so mm-hmm. interesting to, mm-hmm. to think that. But um, Mike, thank you so much again for your time and just for your teaching. Just, you know, so appreciate that and the amount of effort that you put into it. So thank you. And uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, If you're wanting to study more on what we've been talking about today, I want to recommend just a short book called The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Uh, It's a resource that can be used as a personal read, but also as a study uh, in a small group. Um, I actually know several community groups at The Ridge that have used it and find it really enriching in the relationship with God. Uh, so perhaps it's something you could use yourself or in a group of friends. Uh, we have copies here at The Ridge, so uh, reach out if you'd like to, to borrow one of those. So thanks again for joining. Uh, we hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon.
0: I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at The Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.